Our scripture for today is Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. We must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Streback. Last year, uh, my wife and I were working in the concession stand <clears throat> over at Mustang Bowl, as many of you have, have done in your time with your uh, kids and grandkids and uh, when you're sponsors and all that good stuff. And we were working along, and this woman uh, comes up to us, and she said, Strebeck. And, you know, you always worry when someone says your last name with inquiry. You're like, oh, yeah, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Uh, but she said, Strebeck. She said, are y'all Ethan's parents? And we said, you know, yes, uh, we are Ethan's parents. And, and she just was gushing. She said, oh, my goodness. Uh, I just absolutely love him. He, he, she said, see, I work in, uh, on the food service staff at the school, and Ethan speaks to me every single day, and uh, he just brings me so much joy. And so, of course, we're just like, we're all torn up about it and, and uh, hearing that. But, but that, you know, parents, grandparents, church members, you know, it's like all, the church members, you'll, you'll bring newspaper clippings of kids, and, and we, when we see our kids and other people notice things about them, and we can stand back and say, yeah, that's, that, that one, that one's ours. That one belongs to us, and we're so proud of that one right there. That one, yep, that's my kid. That's our kid. That's one that we saw from the time they were a little brat. Now they're up here, and we're so proud of them. But we, we love to do that uh, as community members and as parents. That one, that one, that is our child. Jesus arrives in the wilderness in this text, and it's interesting, all the details that we get and that we don't get, but you know, Matthew's clear with us that Jesus left Galilee and he went into the wilderness. We already know John is there working and calling for his baptism of repentance, and we know about John, we know that he's the forerunner, and we imagine now, we begin to imagine this character of Jesus, who's an adult now, and we haven't really heard about him, we haven't heard much about him. We know from other places that he grew up in a normal Jewish family. Uh, his father was a carpenter. He most likely picked up the trade. And he leaves when he's around 30 years old. He leaves home. He leaves the comfort and the security of home, his family, his extended family. And he shows up in the wilderness, in the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. Now, John is the prototype John is the exemplar for all ministry leaders that would ever come after him because everything John does is deferential to the one that we're waiting for. 
everything John does is, no, no, don't look at me, look at Jesus. You know, I must decrease, Jesus must increase. Oh no, you don't understand, I'm not worthy to untie uh, his sandals. The one that comes after me, I baptize with water. The one that comes after me baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit. That's the one you're going to want to pay attention to. So John does a beautiful job. All Christian ministry really looks like that. All the prophets, all of us that are serving in the church, this is the work that we do. We say, no, no, look, look at Jesus. Look at the one that gives us life. And so John, in like we would expect him to do, he says, Jesus says, I've, I've come to be baptized. And John says, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. Uh, I it should be the other way around. So I don't think we'll be doing that today, Jesus. And then Jesus answers John. This is the first time that Jesus speaks in Matthew's gospel. We're three chapters in, it's the first words that we hear from Jesus. And he says, it's okay, John. Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. We're going to fulfill all righteousness. Okay. What does that mean? Because it's confusing because we tend to think about baptism as something that we do for the forgiveness of sins, right? The remission of sins. And we all know that Jesus was without sin. So why in the world would Jesus come to be baptized? And there are several reasons, but they pick up on a big one here, which is we must do this. It's fitting for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And that statement, and that was enough for John. So he consented because he understood. He knew that there was this, this method of going. And so when Jesus says it is fitting, we must fulfill all righteousness, he is saying that it is important that I, as the long-awaited Messiah, that I fully identify with the people that I came to save. This is a part of my mission. This is what the, the Messiah was always going to do. And so Jesus has to do this. This is foretold in Isaiah and all along the way. And Jesus says it's important for me to be all in. I'm not just casually here as a Savior that will save you from afar. This will not be a technical transaction. This will be, I'm all in. I will wade literally into the waters, represented by the Jordan River there. I wade into the waters of chaos that is the human experience, and I am fully invested. And it is important that I fully identify with all people at the very beginning of this deal so that there won't be any misunderstanding about how significant, uh, how um, pervasive about how complete this work is going to be. <clears throat> so that's what Jesus conveys to us. He's totally involved with us. And another way to think about this is Jesus is submitting to death. It, it's a foretaste of that. It's foreshadowing. He's submitting to death, which will ultimately happen on the cross. He's submitting to death so that he can destroy death once and for all. Uh, the church fathers love to talk about how Jesus took on what was ours in order that he might give us what was his. So he takes on our nature and then gives us the very nature of God. It's an unfair exchange, but it is just in God's nature. And so that's what we see Jesus doing. We're in this great baptism scene and you know, there's not a lot of fanfare with how Matthew describes the, how Jesus baptized. We don't get anything about how he was baptized. We just get he's coming up out of the water. We don't know if that means he was coming up out of the water because he was fully immersed in a big river or if he was standing on the edge and he was just walking up out of the water and there was a pitcher and they were pouring water or if there was a gravity-fed fire hose. We don't know how it went, but we just know it's important that there was water, there was a river, 
there was the messenger that was John, and there was Jesus fully identifying with human beings, with all of us. And so immediately when he's coming up out of the water, we get this great biblical word, behold, which just means, whoa. You know, it means stop. It means listen. It means pay attention. It means wake up. Behold. And we get the word twice. We get behold because the heavens are open and the Spirit of God comes down and descends on Jesus in His baptism in the form of a dove. So Jesus sees this. And then behold again, and there's a voice that speaks that Jesus hears. And the voice says from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus saw and Jesus heard the Father and the Spirit making this a perfect Trinitarian picture where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are speaking and listening to one another and celebrating the life of God. Jesus' baptism serves as a precursor to our baptism. So we, we get at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, we understand that our mission as Christians, as the church, is to go and make disciples. And part of making disciples is baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so it's important that this comes early on in the process. It's very foundational. The order is important. I, it's, no, it's no accident that Jesus is baptized before he ever does anything of note in his public ministry. Before Jesus ever heals anyone, before Jesus ever teaches in the synagogue where we have recording of all of that, the first thing that he does is he submits to the waters of baptism. And he enters in to that place and he hears these words of the Father, you are my beloved son, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's not accidental. And it's not accidental for us. Uh, it's very important that before we begin any kind of ministry that we go through the waters of baptism, and we remember that what is most foundational about following Jesus is becoming a child of God. That's the number one primary thing that has to happen. If we don't get that step, all the rest of it is just going to seem like either a Santa Claus naughty list, or it's going to seem like a transactional thing like, okay, God, I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. And then, but I won't bother you too much. You know, it just gets out of whack. If we don't start from the beginning understanding that this is a, uh, a matter of, of adoption, a matter of being a child with a loving father, then we, we won't have the rest of it. We'll be out of balance. So when, when the voice from heaven speaks and said, this is my beloved son, another way to picture this is like this is the coronation of the king. Well, we remember passages from Isaiah and then from like Psalm 2. I will tell of the decree, the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. This is, behold the king. This is the one uh, who comes, right, in the name of the Lord. This is the, this is the king that we've waited for. Uh, he is hereby uh, ready to go. He's ready for service. Uh, this is my son. So remember the part at the beginning about how we take such joy in saying, yeah, that one, that one right there, that's, that one's mine. That one belongs to me. Only in Matthew's gospel do we hear the news this way. In uh, Mark and in Luke, we, we get more of a, God is just speaking to Jesus and he says, you are my beloved son. In Matthew's gospel alone, do we hear it 
as though we're sort of overhearing. This is God speaking to all of us that are listening and saying, now y'all pay attention. This one right over here, that one's mine. That's my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The greatest human need, it would be hard to argue against this statement, whatever discipline you were working in, but the greatest human need is most likely could be summarized by the word belonging, the need to belong. And it is in our baptism that the Father announces the reality that we belong that the Father announces the reality of our prominent status for the rest of the world to hear that one. That one is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. That one is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And so our response to that word and that earth-shattering news is very often, if you're like me, some point along the way, we muster an objection to that. We hear, okay, 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 I hear you saying, you know, that's my beloved son over there with whom I'm well pleased. And we go, who, me? I think you may have the wrong person. I'm sure there's somebody out there that you're well pleased with, but it's probably not me because you probably don't know the laundry list that I bring with me. And you see, I got this out of whack. And I, you know, I've, I've stumbled and fallen so many times and yada, yada, yada. And we have a, we have a whole list of objections about why it's probably someone else that the Father is speaking about. And so as we muster our objections, it's such a great part of the gospel and a great part of the good news that uh, God doesn't just leave us there to figure that out on our own, but He actually works by giving us the Holy Spirit and even encouraging us and enabling us to speak words back to the one who speaks those words to us so that we can speak back Yes, you are my Father. I know I belong to you. Thanks be to God. I recognize that you are well pleased with me just because I'm a child of God. And here I am in the waters of baptism, and I, I recognize that, that you said that about me, and you meant it, and it's true. And I believe it now. And part of the way that we get there is this exercise of the Spirit working with our spirit to reply, yes, we are children of God. This is what Paul's talking about in Romans 8. And again, in Galatians 4, when Paul says, okay, just a review here, he says, you, you did not receive, when you received the Spirit of God, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, which is our default. We fall back into fear and we relate to God like we're slaves and he's our master. And so he says, you didn't receive this spirit from the Holy Spirit. What you received is the spirit of adoption. As children, you receive the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And this word Abba is just a very, it's a very casual familial word for, for father, something like daddy or papa. And so it's by the spirit, the spirit of God, Paul says, testifies with our spirit. I imagine, you know, if we're, we're talking about the heavens open and the spirit descending, I'm thinking the Spirit descends and joins the Spirit, the human Spirit that is in me and that is in you, and testifies with our Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches our Spirit to say, Abba, Father. That's what's happening in this exchange where we understand and believe and live in the love of God. We're learning to say, Abba, Father. Papa, I recognize I'm your child. 
It's a great exercise. So the Spirit bears spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children. And if we're children, then we are heirs. We're heirs of God. We're fellow heirs of Christ. This is what the early Methodists talked about when they made a big old fuss about assurance of salvation. It was very important. The early Methodists, they always wanted us to consider, but do you have the assurance that you belong to God? Because uh, you can believe that, but do you really, deep down in the core of your being, do you trust that you belong to God, that you're one of his children. And so it's a great exercise for us to go through. Do I really believe that? And I think at times we believe it stronger than other times, but it's this great gift that we have the assurance uh, that, we, that that is available to us. And so anytime we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, Our Father, or anytime we open our mouth to pray or we just we pray silently and we're thinking these words, My Father, our Father who is in heaven, uh, it's an exercise in trusting that we belong to God. It's rehearsing it. It's why it's so important for us to sing together and pray together is because when I hear you say, our Father, and when I hear you sing, we belong, we're children, we're no longer slaves, but we're children of God, then I, I believe it and I lean into it just a little bit more. It's, it's part of our communal work that we do together. This reality that has conveyed at our baptism is truly the most foundational thing about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're going to spend the rest of the month talking about the nature of discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And so at the beginning of this quest, it's very important that we get the most basic, most foundational thing in order first. And that is uh, that we are children of God, that we have become children of God. When I see people uh, who are not following Jesus, and when I see in my own life when I'm not following Jesus, I can usually trace it back to a lack of trust or a lack of awareness that I or that we belong to God, that we're truly children. And you can tell some people have just never heard that news or they've never really believed it. It's never registered and that's why they live like they live. And then there are the times I live that way, and I recognize I've forgotten. I've forgotten what it really means to be a child and that I belong to the living God. So my prayer today as we uh, rehearse this together is that we would imagine, that we would be able to hear the voice of God this week, this day, uh, we would imagine God just pointing over at us and saying, yeah, that one. That one is my daughter. She belongs to me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.